Hello, 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 and welcome to another fantastic episode of Anarchy Among Friends Roundtable Discussion. Before we get started, let me first remind you that we are covered by the BIP No government license, which allows for the use and reuse of this podcast by anyone and everyone except for governments and the bludgies thereof. You can learn more about that at BIPCOT.org. That is B-I-P-C-O-T dot O-R-G. We're also protected by Brandenburg v. Ohio, 1969, which ruled that the government cannot punish inflammatory speech unless that speech is, quote, directed to inciting or producing imminent lawless action and is likely to incite or produce such action. Therefore, everything said here on Anarchy Among Friends Roundtable Discussion is entirely hypothetical. This is episode 125. Jeez. And I'm still Man. amazed we still have a podcast. <laughs> people are still, still actually listening. Like, wow, it's like more we're, people. We're still you. getting, we're still getting almost as many views on YouTube as we do actual like MP3 listens, podcast Jeez. listens. And only one of those is me. <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when I'm not on an episode, I watch you guys though, and I want to say thank you. That you guys plug my book, even when I'm not here. You guys are some of the best friends I've ever had. But yeah, we're yeah. still, we're still we're you still have still such good. a low bar. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. just put that out there. And hey, not really, <laughs> I'm easy to get along with. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm fucking low maintenance. Ask my husband. Super low maintenance. And one of the listens now finally is Lindsay. She actually went back and started listening to some of the podcasts because she never does. She never pays any. So she finally like listened to them and I was at work and she complained because apparently I got the Ferengi rules of acquisition incorrect <laughs> on one of the episodes. And I'm like, I don't even remember saying anything about it. So you're going to have to like remind me what that conversation even was. Oh, yeah. Because apparently it's that a deal is a deal is a deal when it's between Ferengi. Oh. That's, I didn't include the when it's between a Ferengi thing. Gotcha. So, whatever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking well, I'm always fucked up on here anyway, so I can't be held accountable for any of the errors I make. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, I was like, you know how many beers I probably had by the end of that podcast? Like, you can't blame me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm either high or drunk. Yeah, yeah, I can't be held responsible for the things that drunk Andrew says. <laughs> I'm stoned out of my she was on right now. She was on episode 69. She knows we don't take this seriously. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't even know how long I can stay tonight because my back is, I've been having a, an episode. For anybody who doesn't know, I don't, you know, talk about it too often, but I'm a 90% disabled veteran. I've had three back surgeries. I like lost an entire summer of my life to fucking Navy medical trying to fix what they broke. And it's, yeah. You don't got to explain it. I mean, last week, was, val last week was Valentine's. We took yeah. the week off for you guys. It was Valentine's, and this week your back hurts. I'm just, just, just. I'm not saying there's a coincidence. <laughs> no. Look, I already told you guys. It's because I got too used to having that fucking hot tub through the winter, and this year it's broke. Yeah, and... now you're having to live like the poor's again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're still the poor's. Damn it! Look, it was part of the house when we bought the house. We're not sure if we're going to be able to replace it, okay? 
<laughs> Every time you turn it on, come on, work, 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 work. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't. It just gives me a fucking flow error, and yeah, I don't know what to do about it. But whatever. Have you what tried you do? doing it with a hammer? Because <laughs> that's my solution. <laughs> wow. See, I was told one time, see, what you need to do is, like, whenever a piece of electronic isn't working, is you find an old piece of electronics, right? Like an old calculator or something, right? And you sit it down next to the piece of electronic that's not working. Mm-hmm. And then you take a big-ass hammer, and you smash the mm-hmm. ever-loving shit out of the old piece of electronic. And then in a very quiet... Make an example of it. Right? And then, yeah, in a very quiet but stern voice, you inform the not working piece of electronic <laughs> that if it doesn't act that if it doesn't start acting right it's going to get the same treatment right and 60 percent of half the time it works right <laughs> brian that doesn't even make sense <laughs> <laughs> but you know i'm not sure i'm willing to sacrifice old technology for something like that because that shit still fucking yeah, works you got plenty yeah, of kids. Still works right <laughs> smash a kid you got plenty of them <laughs> if I'm willing to do this to one of my kids that doesn't work, what do you think I'm gonna do to you? <sighs> no, unfortunately for that scenario, anyways, all my kids work. So Oh, well yeah. that's a bad segue then. <laughs> Terrible segue. I was gonna Sorry. say something about speaking of smashing and episode sixty nine and Dirk's oh, back hurting. Um we need to talk about Larry Flint. Yeah. Uh, yes, the man, the man who's actually done more than uh, he's done more for your freedom than the government ever has. Well, yeah, I mean, he has, but no, I was gonna, he, I was okay, gonna no, no to not okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a statement. He has achieved more for your freedom than Ron Paul. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Yep, he's achieved more for freedom than most people have. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. yeah, he's up at the top of that heap. Which really, I think, means that heap of writhing bodies. Yeah, I would say the moral of this story is that when you really want to achieve freedom, you need to show some boobies. Yeah. And be be unapologetic about it. Everybody knows sex is what makes the world go round. Sex is like the motivation for men, right? It's like the only motivation. Everything else, money, power, all of it is about getting more pussy. They can be motivated for the means to acquire more pussy, but all of it comes down to acquiring pussy. <laughs> the means. There, of there are our MGTOW crowd just left. <laughs> <laughs> well, man. Yeah. Well, so, I don't so think be anyone's so missing. We didn't like them anyway. Yeah, I don't think anyone's missing them. You know? So. Um, yeah, this is a, a, a I don't article. think they were here anyways for episodes that I'm in. I don't think they would. <laughs> yeah, they're. <laughs> oh, but why do you have to have that female? Yeah, who wants to hear her fucking opinion? I mean, I'm just gonna point out that those guys really are pretty much just gay without the sex. I just want. Oh yeah, to oh, yeah. there's there's definitely some bro jobs among among. <laughs> yeah, bro yeah. jobs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, this is an article from Reason. Um, Larry Flint made the world freer for everybody by pushing boundaries. Yep. Right. And the subhead subtitle is, uh, or subheadline is, uh, abrasive, tasteless, and uncompromising. Flint undoubtedly made the world safer for speech of all varieties. Hell yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. And he I mean, was most... tasteless. Let's not fucking 
sugarcoat this. I think it could be argued I mean, that just there's moments by, Hustler was artistic. By the picture in the article, he's got good taste. Yeah. I'm just, just I'm just there. but that's not that's, yeah, never mind. You guys know what I mean. Everybody knows the difference between Playboy and Hustler. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, Playboy Playboy is what you read, so you can be like, well, I'm just in it for the article. And to be fair, it was very Or because it's artistic. The comics, and, the comics in Playboy were really good. Well, the, the articles in Playboy are actually fantastic. And uh, Very good, Carl, fearless journalism. Carl but... Hess. Carl Hess wrote for, wrote for Playboy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's, there, uh, there's the some de- really good Death of Politics. There. That's a, a really, really good piece from Carl Hess. And... Yeah, so like that's what you read when you want to be classy and be able to be but like. Hustler oh, had none of those pretensions. Yeah, no, <laughs> Hustler's just like, yo, you want to see some fucking hot chicks? Yeah, yeah what's up? <laughs> you like this girl? You want a fucking inside yeah, like, view of her kidneys? Yeah. You got it. Yeah, like we'll 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 do it, man. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ward Ward Cleaver had Playboy. Al Bundy had Hustler. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> America lost a free speech champion last week with the death of Larry Flint at the age of 78. The publisher of Hustler magazine was one of those rare people who actually took a bullet for his principles. In the age when too many people believe speech is worthy of protection only if they approve of its content, he was a reminder that the greatest champions of liberty are often confrontational outliers who are willing to offend and push back boundaries. Sounds like a couple of people we might know. <laughs> Anarchy among friends. Yeah, we don't offend people. What are you talking? We no. are a constant fucking delight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Flint, may be, Flint may be best known for the case of Hustler Magazine Inc. versus Falwell. Yeah, that's totally what he's known for. Um, yeah. um, I mean, no, but yes. That's... <laughs> Um, the case turned on a 1983 ad parody, uh, which uh, lampooned advertisements featuring celebrities, f- celebrities quote first time with the drink by portraying prominent social conservative preacher Jerry Fowell's quote first time with his mother in an outhouse. While the piece, oh, while the piece was clearly labeled as a parody, Fowell filed suit for invasion of privacy, defamation, and intentional infliction of emotional distress. I, oh my god, invasion of private that those wh- fucking charges sound like an admission that that's how yeah, that I was gonna say, actually went I, down. Yeah, I had the same thought. Like I'm like, wait, invasion of was it a fake? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Emotional what? distress, like bringing up bad memories? What <laughs> what Uh-oh. I mean, was See, that uh, like a thing? Jerry Fowell was born <laughs> in Lynchburg, Virginia, so it is possible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's he is Jerry Falwell. So, but yeah. I mean, just like, like the thing that I love about it is like, you know, you can laugh about how offensive, like, say, Mad Mad Magazine or National Lampoon were and everything, and they're kind of trailblazing there. But if you can utter the sentence, it was a satire ad about Jerry Falwell's first time in an outhouse with his own mother. Yeah. Like, holy shit. So, uh, yeah, invasion of privacy, defamation, and emotional infli- emotional infliction, or in- sorry, intentional infliction of emotional distress. 
So there's uh, like there's like Howard Stern and then there's Larry. <laughs> yeah, oh my god. Like yeah. uh, okay, so well, the, this is intentional infliction of him is is Falwell admitting that he reads Hustler? Yeah, well I don't know. Because wouldn't he have to read it in order to see that? So therefore that's the only no, way. No, I don't know, man. I feel like All somebody right. he knows does though. <laughs> right. The courts initially rejected <clears throat> the first two claims, which were uh, invasion of privacy and defamation, uh, but ruled that Fowell's ruled in Fowell's favor on the emotional distress claim and awarded him damages because of uncertainty over the First Amendment protection for speech that allegedly caused emotional distress. The case worked its way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. There, the court found that the public figures such as Jerry Fowell must meet with an extremely high standard before they can collect damages from people who mock them. Um, for an anonymous or for a unanimous court, uh, Chief Justice William H. Reinkarst wrote, uh, "Quote: We concluded that public figures and public officials may not recover uh, for the tort of intentional infliction of emotional distress by reason of publications such as this one here at issue, without showing, in addition to the public, that the publication contains a false statement of fact, which was made with quote actual malice, with knowledge that the statement was false." and with reckless disregard as to whether or not it was true. Now, I don't know why anybody should be able to collect damages for infliction of emotional distress, like, by itself, as, like, that's the only thing. You know, I mean, like, if you fucking hurt somebody and it caused them, like, emotional pain on top of, Mm -hmm. you know, their other problems you caused them, that's kind of a different thing. Well, yeah. But if that's the only charge, you hurt my fucking feelings. Seriously? Well, yeah. I yeah. mean, there's there. So there, I, I used to work uh, selling insurance, and they had this joke in their their like prescribed presentation for the insurance that was like, oh, we'll we'll pay for you know we're pay we'll pay if you you know your leg is hurt, we'll pay if your back is hurt, we'll pay if your you know something else is hurt, we'll even pay if your feelings are hurt. Ha ha ha. Well, not really. And then you go on. First of all, it's a horrendous joke. Second of all. <laughs> That was a joke. Yeah, it isn't when you talk about emotional <laughs> damages. Yeah, so in uh, a lawsuit, Stuart Ta- Stuart Taylor Jr. summarized for the New York Times after the case was decided that, uh, "quote the court effectively shut off an effort to make it easier for public figures to muzzle criticism and satire." Yeah, so which is cool, but uh. Yeah. A decade after the case, Flint and Falwell became, and probably, friends and colleagues touring the country to publicly discuss issues on which they disagreed. Uh, quote, we went to colleges debating moral issues and the First Amendment issues, what's proper, what's not, and what's why. Uh, Flint told the Los Angeles Times after Falwell's death in 2007. You know, that's really impressive. I mean, I was to, just going to say that. Like, that's a kind of a cool thing that they were able to do that so many college students don't ever get two different perspectives on the same issue yeah, they yeah. only I get mean, the one approved fucking liberal education issue or like perspective well, on it well yeah and look at their look at their reaction now because it is always so one-sided look at their right when you have th- things mm. like trigly puff you know mm. like, <laughs> like I, that. i'm sorry i laugh at that gif every time it's yeah. so freaking great it's the uh, but I mean, like that's that is 
like the fact that they were able to do that says that clearly the two of them very much approached things from a very intellectual position. Right. Like they were able to, which discuss I can things. always respect. Yeah, yeah. They, they were able to discuss things dispassionately and just mm-hmm. as a, you know, an intellectual thing. Mm-hmm. And that, especially when you're talking about issues like morality can be a very emotionally charged yeah. Thing so it's it's very difficult to do that. I'm really impressed that they were actually able to pull that off. So uh, by yeah. no means was this Flint's first high-profile free speech fight. In 1976, Flint was sentenced by an Ohio court to serve seven to 25 years in prison on obscenity and organized crime charges. He served six days before the sentence was overturned. In, 19, <laughs> in 1978, during an obscenity trial in Gwinnett County, Georgia. Flint and his attorney, Gene Reeves, were shot by a sniper who was reportedly infuriated by depictions of interracial sex and hustler. The shooting left Flint permanently paralyzed from the waist down, and the obscenity charges were dismissed after the incident. He did literally take a bullet for his beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. Flint and Hustler battled not just the social conservatives, but activists on the left as well. Even as the Falwell case worked its way through the judicial system, Andrea, Andrea Dworkin, uh, who opposed photography from a feminist perspective, sued Hustler for libel and defamation after she was parodied in the magazine. She, too, was turned away by the courts. Uh, in later years, Flint turned his sights... Oh, stupid scroll. Uh, turned his sights on capital punishment. He challenged these secretive protocols in drug cocktail states... Uh, states used in administering the death penalty on the grounds that they violate the Eighth Amendment protections against cruel and unusual punishment. He even opposed the execution of Joseph P- Paul Franklin, the man who confessed to the shooting in 1978. Wow. That's yeah. like really believing. I mean, like truly believing what you believe. Yeah. To be like, yeah, this dude shot me. <coughs> that doesn't mean I want the state to kill him. Like, right. no, it's I do not support the state killing him. I'm not okay with that. Period. Even if okay he did what he did to me. Anyone. Yeah, no, not now, allowed. Now, yep. victims and their families in cases which are indisputable, where guilt is indisputable, I, I don't have a problem with people putting down animals that hurt innocent people. But mm-hmm. I don't think the state should ever fucking be involved in this. Yeah. Uh, Flint wrote in 2013 a Hollywood Reporter piece that... Uh, Quote, supporters of capital punishment argue that it is a deterrent which prevents potential murdering from com- or potential murderers from committing future crimes. But research has failed to provide a shred of valid scientific proof to that effect whatsoever. As far as severity of punishment is concerned, to me, a life spent in a three by six foot cell is far harsher than the quick release of a lethal injection. Well, that's yeah. true. Yes. Um, and know, there that's... can't be scientific evidence that it fucking works because... You destroy your fucking data set when you kill people. <laughs> you don't have a fucking well, yeah. data set. Yeah. So. Um, in 2003, Reason Magazine named Larry, Larry Flint one of 35 heroes of freedom for his, hand, for his hard-fought free speech efforts. Mm-hmm. Quote, where, where Hugh Hefner mainstreamed bohemian sexual mores, hardcore porn merchant Flint brought tasteless to new depths inspiring an unthinkable but reveling coalition between social conservatives 
and, and puritanical feminist and helping those strengthen the First Amendment protections for free expression along the way. <laughs> I just love that that description that he, he brought tastelessness to do, new depths, inspiring an unthinkable but revealing coalition between social conservatives and puritanical feminists. Like, oh, whoever <laughs> would have thought only That's Larry Lynch could have writing brought writing right there. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That is fucking great. I mean, and he did too. Like he was able to you gotta be impressed with anybody that manages to offend basically everyone of all races, creeds, and religions. It's yeah. uh and not that is give an impressive a shit thing. about it. Yeah, and just be like, that's that's like, what and shoot what, them down in court over it. What yeah. George Carlin did with words, yeah. Flint did with pictures and, and such. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he did yeah, he did with pictures of fucking. Like that's yeah. <laughs> Like, because yeah. hustlers, I mean, you know, and the weird thing is, is like the hustler clubs, if you've ever been to a hustler strip club, are really classy joints. They're really nice. They're, yeah, Andrew goes there to meet wives. <laughs> you know what? It was not a hustler <laughs> that she worked in. However, Lindsay did used to work at the hustler in Shreveport. <laughs> <laughs> That's besides the point. The point is, and not <laughs> to any any new infantryman in, that may be listening. I want to let you know: no, the strip club is not a dating service. No, it's not. <laughs> Please don't use it that way. It's called plenty of fish, not plenty of flesh. Yeah. There's, right. there's a difference there. All yeah. right. Um, I'm pretty sure it's just only fans. Is what was that <laughs> meme about? Fucking stripper fiance and a fucking 23% interest rate. Oh yeah. <laughs> or something the, like that. <laughs> yeah, about the cuz it's, you know, the again, it's the most infantry man in the world thing where Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all lower listed really, every branch up to like E3, 4. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, once you hit E4, then you're, you know, then your main focus isn't on being really dumb. It's on just shamming your way through the rest of your <laughs> career, ideally. So, yeah, <laughs> pretty much until you get to a rank where you don't even have to fucking sham anymore. People yeah. just don't dare question you. Anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. There's a certain point where you can just be like, oh, yeah, you want me to do that? Definitely I'll be right on that. Hey, you come here. Yeah, <laughs> go do this thing, and you don't yep. have to do a damn thing. That's... Yeah. yeah, um, life is like that, though. I mean, your kids hit the teenage years; it's kind of like that at home too. <laughs> hey, you come here. You're gonna go <laughs> do this thing that I don't want to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, I see. Uh, uh, others might raise raise objections on the grounds of Flint's frequent violations of standards of good taste or the misogyny of some of the material published in Hustler. In addition to the usual objections of portrayals of nudity and sex, he was, without any doubt, a boundary pusher, and he wasn't always discriminating about the boundaries he crossed. That sounds but like my, a free dude to me. Yeah. Sound, I would hang out with him. Yeah. He was the kind of man that we should kind of all aspire to be, really. Like, he was one of those dudes who just didn't give a shit. Like, he was going to do what he was going to do, and fuck you. Fuck you. He just mores. lived completely fuck unapologetically. Your... Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. On, it's on that same par with, like, Hunter S. Thompson. 
Yeah. Where, yeah, Tom, I mean, dude, fucking Hunter S. Thompson got into a gunfight with his neighbor over a border dispute, and nothing ever happened to either one of them, and it was filmed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, but by being abrasive, tasteless, and uncompromising, uh, Flint undoubtedly made the world safer for speakers of all varieties. That includes expanded protections for modern skeptics who more previously or more perversely than any issue of Hustler, speak out against wide-ranging free speech protections. Quote, my position is that you pay the price to live in a free society, and that price is the toleration of some things you don't like. You have to tolerate the Larry Flint of the world, he told it, he said in an interview in 1996. Hmm. So, yeah. And then the, the final article, or the final paragraph says, uh, in doing his best to offend just about everybody, Larry Flint undoubtedly strengthened protections for the freedom of the people he upset. Uh, to judge by the state of the world, we would benefit from we would benefit from more than more people just like him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love and I love that too. That in what was that in '96 that he said that when when people called him a hero that he was like I wouldn't have willingly given my legs for anybody. I'm pretty sure that makes me not a hero. Like I didn't want to do this, and if I'd had like no, that wasn't a choice. Yeah. <laughs> like if I'd known, I would have been like, nah, fuck you. But <laughs> yeah. But that's the other thing too, is like that he was so honest about stuff because he was just like straight up, like, no, nah, I'm a fucking coward, man. I wouldn't have... <laughs> that's that's not gonna be something I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna be like, oh I'll, but I'll But stand he really up for... wasn't because I mean physical cowardice is is one thing, but like philosophical, ideological cowardice is something totally different. And being brave ideologically, philosophically, is much more difficult than being brave physically. Well, yeah, because um, at the end of one, you die. So it's yeah. a very limited term thing. Right. <laughs> you don't need to be brave nearly as long if you're just being right. physically brave. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. So, whereas the other one's going to sting for a very, very, very long time. Right. But yeah, he I mean, that was the thing is that he also like it's amazing that he was like, no, I mean, like, I think you're wrong and I don't give a shit that you're yelling and screaming about how I'm morally abhorrent. But I will absolutely fight all day for your ability to yell and scream at me that I am morally bankrupt and just terrible like that's, you know, and I think that we've we've lost so much of that as a society and Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have Larry anymore. Like we've lost even more. (laughs) So it's not only that, but like people like 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 Larry, if Larry Flint was starting today, it would be an entirely different situation like if, if hustler yeah. was was trying to build in today's society it wouldn't it wouldn't be anything like it is right like right. like people like larry flint you know they're 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 the outliers right that's what it said in the, the article was was outliers right he's one of those outliers like like hunter s thompson like george carlin like you know popcorn sutton um that kind of attitude that kind of bravado that kind of mindset that kind of that kind of i'm gonna do what i want to do i don't care what you think it's very avant-garde yeah it's it's Mm. it's almost gone in today's society well yeah because everybody's when when people push the boundaries like that Mm -hmm. they're making more room for everybody else 
Yeah, yeah. And, and when people you push don't the... even appreciate that. Yeah, no, you get canceled. You get kicked off social media. Well, yeah. Mean... I mean, look at look at what just happened to Gina Carano. Like the, mm-hmm. I mean, in the fact <laughs> that she gets canceled and like kicked off of the TV show and everything because she's like, hey, this cancel culture is completely out of control, and like uh-huh. you just go after everybody, and like, and the whole point of her post was really was about well, you know the the beginnings of Nazis being able to get this power started because neighbors were willing to attack neighbors. And that was right. her point. And then in response, they do exactly what she was talking about immediately. And yeah. with no, you know, without any hesitation and like, I mean, that's, that's where me, we're at now. What kills me is anarchists saying things like, well, these are market forces. The market didn't want her because she said that. No, it fucking isn't. These aren't market no. forces. This is just uh, people fucking bowing down to fucking public opinion and not even fully public opinion. Just like the small vocal incendiary fucking minority of people that get so up in their feels about words. Just fucking yeah. words. This is not this is not market forces. There's nothing free about this cancel culture. Well, and, you know, and this the thing that I I keep noticing with a lot of anarchists like that is that what I notice is that they're constantly when they're like, oh, Facebook and Twitter are private companies. They're not. But whatever. They're that that's their argument. They're, you know, they're they're basically just an Intel arm of the government. But whatever. It's so you have. You have them them saying these things, and what I've noticed is that the reason that they they tend to say this, what it looks like to me, is one because they're too scared to admit that they agree with whatever decisions those companies made, uh-huh. because they know that it's going to be unpopular. But two, they then use that as some sort of a shield to criticism that they get from people who are against that, ignoring the fact that. Well, yeah, if you want to talk market forces, let's talk about the fact that there's going to be dissenting voices in the market, which is exactly what we're doing. We're dissenting from the majority and saying, no, this isn't okay. I still want to see her work. I still want to see her do this. But you're ignoring the fact that, yes, they may have the right to fire somebody for any reason that they want, but I also have a right to call them a load of horseshit for doing it. Right. So it's and and it definitely wasn't market forces. There was no time for the market to speak. Like they mm-hmm. weren't losing subscriptions because of what she said. People weren't canceling their fucking service. Mm-hmm. They did it because they were afraid of that small fucking like overwrought minority that that drives cancel culture. Well, yeah, and even if even if they had started losing subscribers because of it and that it started occurring and then they'd fired her, I would still say, well, that's a load of horseshit. Not that they fired her because it makes sense that they would have fired her at that point. But I think it's a load of horseshit that people had that much of a problem with what she said. I'm yeah, still going to say the same did. thing. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I still am going to say the same thing, but my... Like what I'm saying, though, is that like they're the, it's such a cop-out. It's such a completely... Yep milk toast attitude to be like well but i mean it's just market forces fucking yay that doesn't mean that it was good i know yeah <laughs> it's just yeah, i don't why know it wasn't and two that doesn't mean that it was a positive thing yeah i mean i can i market forces are what killed off initially the the fucking uh 
American muscle car. That doesn't mean that I'm happy about that. I'm not just going to yeah. throw my, I still think that's a load of horseshit. And I'm glad But now everybody yeah. wants them again. It's yeah. these things are trends. They're not market forces. These are fucking fads. And Even the cancel culture time. is a fucking fad. Oh yeah. There's going to come a time where we're going to look back at it and be like, <laughs> wow, that was really fucked up. Like, I can't believe yeah. that people were doing that. And you know, I mean, it's, it's like if you look back at um at what's his face the uh the security guard at the Olympics in Atlanta, remember mm-hmm. with with uh with Rudolph when when Rudolph did the bombing and and everyone like accused him of like the FBI was investigating him for planting the bomb himself, and then the media just ran with it and then you know and he was condemned and his life was pretty much ruined and everything else and he had to sue all these media outlets and whatever else and of course it was it was uh, Eric Rudolph the whole time who had done it and like that's, and now we look back at that and we can talk about it and be like, Jesus, look at how horrific these people were. And we even can a talk- more, even like a more recent example, the Washington DC smirk kid. Yeah. Yeah, Covington. exactly. Covington kid. Yeah. Yeah. The Covington kid. Yeah. yeah. Once it started coming out, what the reality was and everything else. And we look back and we're like, look at you fucking psychopaths who just jumped and on it, this fucking bandwagon. They and sued the media outlets that smeared the shit out of that poor kid. Well, yeah. And it and was the second one. Yeah. And again, it was the second time they had to do that. Cause the first time was with that poor security guard uh-huh. who, who was a goddamn hero. And it took, you know, and the funny thing is it took 60 minutes to admit that you know do their investigation and determine that there's no possibility he could have been the bomber and that the fbi was full of shit and that that fucking reporter in like atlanta was a piece of shit and everything and figure that out and then call him a hero again for him to kind of start to get his life back but he wound up settling with all of these major news outlets and everything else and we look back at that and we go, yeah, and he should have gotten paid because they destroyed his life with no evidence and everything yes. else. And aren't they pieces of shit? And then the same thing with this kid where we look back, you know, and go, oh, look at that. You yet again, you just ran with this story. You didn't yeah. fact check. You didn't nothing. And you destroyed someone's life. And then they sued you. Yeah. Of course they did. Fuck you. It's like the fucking definition of libel, for God's sake. Well, yeah. And now, you know, this cancel culture thing that is like that has taken off in the past couple of years in a few years, we're going to look back at it in exactly the same way and yeah. go, yeah, you bunch of fucking psychopaths flying off the handle constantly. You deserved what you got. Yeah. That's, that's exactly Welcome what's to the dystopia happen. that you fucking built, you idiots. <laughs> yeah, you clamored. You clamored for your fucking own oppression. And then you yep. got it. And you're you are going to deserve every ounce of the oppression that you got. It's funny because that's that's why we all laugh about when the left eats itself. Yeah. You know, none of us is politically right. We're <laughs> fucking <laughs> anarchists. I, 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 saw, I saw one the other day about the left eating itself. They said that um uh gay white men don't deserve LGBT protection because they're not oppressed enough. Yeah. See, I know, I saw that. Look at that. It's, they're they're turning in on themselves because as long as they had, you know, outside forces, the the hardcore left had outside forces to push against. They just focused on that and then kept demanding more and more and more. Well, now that they've basically just taken over culture, now they they have no new enemies on the outside, yeah. so and they're you know, turning in on themselves. And, and what kills themselves. me about that, Jason, is that 
instead of they could have told the exact same story and made the exact same point in a positive way. They could have made it about this is a victory that mm-hmm. that this subgroup within the LGBTQ community is now so accepted that it's not even worth remarking on anymore. Oh, yeah. And this is what we want for everybody. And like, make it that kind of thing. But instead of doing that, they fucking turn around and savaged these people who aren't oppressed enough anymore. Yeah. Well, and you know, and that's a, like, like there for was... some reason, that's a betrayal of them or something. Yeah. Like, oh, well, how dare you actually succeed in what you fought for so hard and what we claim we're yeah. fighting for? How dare you actually succeed in that? I mean, and man, have they like the the guy who won um, Top Shot a couple of years ago? He's on that the the Go Big show right now doing doing trick shots and stuff. He's gay. Um, he's married to a man, he's Asian, but he, like, I heard him on a podcast recently talk about how he was like, you know, the funny thing is, is that he's like, if you believed what the leftist media, and I love that he says it, what the leftist media has to say about gun culture, you would think that as soon as I came out, you know, as gay, cause he used to work actually at Google. Um, Ooh. and so he was like, you know, in Silicon Valley, I'd already come out, but then once they started getting popular in the shooting world, like, I felt like I had to come out again cause Right. Like otherwise, awkward things might happen. Uh, so, but he he said, you know, when I came out, he said the gun culture c- collectively was like, eh. like shrug. Like, okay, yeah. and then Chris, they moved on. Yeah, Chris Chris Chang. Yep, yeah. Chris Chang, and, and he was like, you know, and and everyone was just kind of like, yeah, yeah he's and, from, okay, he's from and they, yeah, and they and they moved on, and no one cared. And it's funny because he's like, if you believed what all these leftists yell and scream about, about gun culture, you would think that this would have been a really big deal. And he's like, it was such a massive non-issue. He's like, I can, I could not stop smiling about it for weeks because it was just like, I came out and everyone's like, okay, well, so are we going to shoot or what? The left doesn't (laughs) want things to actually be a non-issue. They always want... They they claim to want to end oppression, but they wouldn't know what to do with themselves without oppression. They need oppression. They need to feel oppressed. They can't handle anything being a non-issue. If you if you aren't oppressing them, that's not enough. You have to still be focused on the problem. You still have to be focused on this struggle and that struggle, and you have to go out of your way and do all of this, and you still have to make a big deal out of it. But in the way yeah, they remember, want you to make a big deal out of it. Remember that article? Like, uh, I think that was last year that came out. That was how being colorblind is itself latent racism. Like they now not being yeah. racist is racist. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I know. Oh and I, I oh. like I talked about it with with my friend who's my um, friend here in the neighborhood. She's black. She walks with some of us ladies. We're all good friends. Um, and I get from her perspective, what she was saying, like the term, I don't like that they use the term colorblind for that. Cause that's not really what they mean when they say that. And it's confusing. So again, people, please don't just throw around terms <laughs> and phrases, fucking know exactly the meaning of the words that you're using because you create these huge misunderstandings when you don't. Well, that's the problem is that the left can't allow words to actually mean what they mean, because if it did, then you could apply logic to their arguments and point Uh, out that they're all completely fucking insane. Right. And you'd cut them off from their ever present fucking escape route behind subjectivity. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yep. (sighs) Oh, that sounds like a conversation for intelligible people. 
I'm not a mom. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I'm too high for that shit. Moving on. <laughs> While you guys were talking, I, I I clicked on one of the the links in the uh, that recent article, and uh-huh. and it brought me to the piece that Larry King wrote about Jerry Falwell after he died, and the 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 article is titled titled "The Porn King and the Preacher." Huh. It's a, it's actually it's a really good piece. Um, Put a link in the description. Well, it's it's linked it's linked in the the article. But. Oh, okay. From the sounds of things, it sounds like he was actually kind of broken up about falling yeah. stuff. Like he was, he was sad about it. That he, he kind. Of, I mean, he considered him a friend. He thought he was, he was an interesting After, person. Afterwards, yeah. Like, um, what uh-huh. it is, is is, um, um, like Jerry had gone after him, gone after after Hustler magazine. Jerry was the leader of the the quote moral minority, and you know the whole. Bible Belt thing and all that good stuff, and and had gone after Larry for several years before Larry did the the parody, and then Ooh. sued him. So. Yeah, and I love I love the quote uh, from that interview in '96 that's in the article uh, that where he said, "My position is that you pay a price to live in a free society, and that price is toleration of some things you don't like. You have to tolerate the Larry Flints of this world." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not that we live in a free society, but still. Yeah, we live yeah. in a society. Fucking... Yeah. <laughs> I had to reference the new Joker movie in the fact. But one of the, one of the best things about Larry <laughs> God, that Flint... article was in the Seattle Times. Yeah. So one of the one of the best things about Larry Flynn here that I just want to highlight for a second: all these people went after him constantly, right? And what did he do? Did he sue them for libel? Did he take them to court? No, he exercised his free speech and he just fucking made fun of them mm-hmm. in his own publication. Yeah, That's he just endlessly he did. he did he did what I what I call a Chaucer move, right? Because Jeffrey Chaucer like eviscerated people constantly in what he would write and things to the point where we still laugh about mm-hmm. the people he made fun of yeah. all these years later. I mean, same yeah. thing as like Machiavelli in, in The Prince was actually making yeah. fun of yep. the leader and we still talk about it to this day although people seem to not notice that the prince is yeah. actually intentionally facetious but whatever the canceling people <laughs> isn't the way to really get them exercising your free speech cleverly and knowing what your fucking words mean people knowing what your words mean you can have history laugh at them yeah. The rest of fucking time. There's, there's, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a, the, I actually just shared it. There's, there's actually a story uh, where we know that the original performance of a Greek play, one of the actors' names that performed in that play, like 3,500 years ago, we still know because he flubbed a line because in Greek, the pronunciation for, um, I think, was it the pronunciation for like, dream or something is close to the pronunciation of weasel uh, and and he said something about waking up and seeing a weasel um oh oh it's uh the the calm that's what it's the word for calm and the word for weasel are very are pronounced very close and he was supposed to say i see the calm before the storm <laughs> instead said i see the weasel before the storm nice. uh and he screwed up so bad that I, it was like two thousand years later we still laugh at this guy's yeah. screw up so, because everyone made fun of him constantly. But that's yeah. the, if you cancel them and you just get rid of them, then no one will ever remember who they were. No right. one will ever know that they had ever done it or and no one will ever appreciate you for like being like, hey, fuck you. 
But if you right. make fun of them well enough, yep. everyone will remember. <laughs> Humor can change the world, is what we're saying. Humor will change the world. Well, so, uh, you want to hang out for another one, Derica? Um, yeah, if it's short. Okay, let's go okay. with the short one then. Um, this is a press release from the Associated Press that says. Uh, Americans, American gave up citizenship in record numbers in 2020, up triple from 2019. Mm. So, let's see. Uh, uh, A record 6,705 Americans gave up their citizenship in 2020. That is a 260% increase from 2019 when 2,577 Americans gave up their citizenship. So... (laughs) That's all. Seriously, that's like all the Americans. That give. <laughs> yes. There's like 330 million people in this country, and only six thousand of them wanted to give up their citizenship. Six, Sixty-seven oh five had give up their citizenship. Oh, in well, almost seven. 000. I mean, you know the the. It's one thing to become an expat; it's another to actually give up your citizenship. Because remember, yeah. it's really right. expensive to give up your citizenship. It yeah. actually costs more to give up your citizenship generally than like just moving to a foreign country. Right? There's expatriation taxes. You have to liquidate all your fucking assets and pay taxes on all of it. It's fucking insane. Yeah, it is not a uh, not a cheap proposition, not an easy proposition. Which never made sense to me because people like citizens of other countries can't own property here. So why the fuck? Yeah, it's uh, uh, U.S. citizens yeah. that renounce re- that renounce must pay a two thousand three hundred and fifty dollar government fee, and appear in person at the U.S. assembly, U.S. embassy, in the country of their residence. In addition, a complete tax return must be filed, and exit tax must be owed. Yeah, yeah. if you, you don't like it, them. just leave. Why don't you move to Somalia? <laughs> yeah, if you don't like it, leave. Oh, but if you leave, we're going to charge you a bunch of money for leaving. How dare you leave? Well, I mean, that's what it is. It's the equivalent of like a parent saying, well, as long as you live under my roof, you live by my rules. And then you go, fine, and I won't live under your roof. And then they're like, well, how dare you move out? Okay, hold on, hold on. Okay, the the exit tax or expatriation tax is a tax on a person who ceases to be a tax resident in the country. This often takes the form of a capital gains tax. Against unrealized gain attributed to the person in which the taxpayer was, or in the period in which the taxpayer was a tax resident of the country in question. What? Unrealized gain. Yeah. Unre- so they're just making up numbers of what you might earn and then taxing you on things that you could have made? Yes. Yeah. Is this, this, this is the Enron school of taxation. Yeah. What the fuck? You can't yeah. mark to market tax okay. me. Uh, the what United the hell United is that? States the United States taxes its citizens on a worldwide income, even if they are permanently resident in another country. That is true. That is absolutely. <sighs> yeah. So even if you earn, because you'll notice when you fill out your taxes, um, especially if you own your own business, you'll notice um, that the uh, the form will ask you. If you earned money in any other country, yes, there is a reason <laughs> they want to know. 
Yep. And if you have foreign assets, if you have foreign real estate, if you have foreign business investments, if you have this is why, you know, that, and that is why people will renounce their citizenship oftentimes. Like if I own a bunch of really big international business concerns and I don't want to have to pay taxes to the U.S. government because they're fucking absurd and they're theft, I will move to a country that doesn't have it doesn't do uh, that income tax and then I will renounce my citizenship. I will get residency and provisional citizenship for that country. And then I will renounce my citizenship to the United States so that I don't have to pay you anything, but I can pay still big ass taxes. Just one more time. They also, they also, they also tax uh, deferred compensation, which is a 401a or 403b plans as well as pension plans and stock options. Jesus. And then but if you the, don't like it, leave. Well, yeah. And here's the thing, too, that you got to remember is that rich people can afford to hide all of these assets in places and ways that they will never declare it and no one will ever figure it out. Yeah. Yes. So they will never pay those. But you, as an average Joe, a lowly Islands, Panama, Swiss yeah. bank account. Yeah, they they will or uh, Sealand. You know, yeah. they, they'll they'll throw bank accounts in Sealand. They'll do all these. But what will happen, you know, shell companies and, and blind trusts and all this other stuff that they can do. They um, but they can afford to do that. You as a lowly peon can't. So if you want to do this and move to another country and renounce your citizenship and everything. You will get fucked right up mm -hmm. the ass without lube as <laughs> a regular peon for trying mm. to leave because people told you, well, if you don't like it, leave. So. Yeah, because you are tax <laughs> cattle. Fucking some, accept that you are tax cattle. Some people use their stimulus checks to pay their expatriation fees. Nice. <laughs> that is a power <laughs> fucking move right there. That yeah. is a power move. That's big dick energy. Oh, that is definitely big dick energy. <laughs> and be like, oh, thanks. Thanks, Daddy oh. Government. Thanks for that. By the way, here's uh here's my tax debt taken care of. See ya. And yeah. just gone. I mean that's you just paid for this. Bye. Well, if memory serves, if you still owe outstanding taxes, they can't they deny you they can't, the yes. pronunciation? Yeah. They, they can't, so yeah. you have to pay it. You can't just not pay it. Or they will keep you as a citizen. Even if you're like, no, I'm going to move to this other country and I'm never coming back and I'm never going to... How about like, I already moved to another country without an extradition treaty, so fuck you. Yeah, but they'll <laughs> still be like, well, but you're an American citizen. No, no. You well, don't yeah, get to just... Yeah, if if you have like a, a bank that is tied to the United States, they can they can still use the courts to go after it and all that. Other yeah, thing. they'll still they'll still levy that account. If so they what have we're saying is, this is the ultimate domestic abuse relationship. Yeah, that's, that but actually all, had just all occurred all to me is like this is the the definition of an abusive spouse. Like, no, yeah. you're still with me. No, I left you. No, you're still with me because and I, you can't I, have any of your own money. I'm taking it. Yeah, so. and I'm taking it all. Bitcoin, Bitcoin's at 58,000. I'm just saying. You know how much that pisses me off? Because I, I cashed out my 401k for my old job when it was at 5k. Yeah. I, I, I had bought one Bitcoin at 5k. That's like a thousand percent ink. Are you kidding me? God. Yeah, I, I, sold, I sold mine back in November when it was like 8,000. 
for a Christmas yeah. present. I'm so fucking mad. Like I was mad, and I don't fucking know how to get into any of my fucking crypto wallets. So what? (laughs) Ah, the confectioner punk would slap you. Like that guy. It's not like I had a lot in there, anyways. You know. Yeah, there's that that guy that has what like millions of dollars worth of of Bitcoin or like a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin, and he's only got one more password attempt. Yeah, two hundred twenty-five million or something. Yeah, Yeah. and he's got one more password. Probably, probably have. I don't even fucking know anymore. But there's probably like a couple grand in my fucking Bitcoin account wallet. But I I can't get into it because I don't know where the fucking passwords are. See, I mean, at least you have it though. That if you could figure it out, because like I had when I was in high school. I think I was a, a sophomore. No, there's no way I could figure it out. It's like a 12 character password that's just randomly generated. Yeah, that's oh god. <clears throat> yeah, and I'm like I'm I was a junior in high school, and when I was a junior in high school, I uh, one of my buddies had been like, "Hey, so I'm gonna mine this thing called Bitcoin. I'm gonna start doing this Bitcoin mining thing, and like if you invest a hundred bucks, like I'll mm-hmm. start." mining with you and you know i'll I'll set up a machine that'll just be for you to to mine bitcoin and stuff and we'll get in on the ground floor and it'll be great i said no because i thought it wasn't going to go anywhere and he currently has retired early from his teaching job with 150 million dollar net worth because he sold off all his fucking crypto i am pissed as hell because if I had fucking invested in two, what that would, that would have been two thousand three, I think oh three. If I had invested in oh three, son of a fucking bitch. Yeah. Hey, remember that. Remember that one. That one kid gave up ten thousand Bitcoin for a couple pizzas. Yeah, I mean yeah. Bitcoin's at fifty eight grand right now, right? Fifty eight yes. grand. Yes. So Bitcoin's at fifty eight thousand dollars. And he gave up. Yeah, 10, it'd, it'd be like I'm sorry, it's at 57 right now, so he, it would be at like 569 million. Yeah, yeah. 500, 569, 570 million dollars. That's a fucking mega millions jackpot, like one of the yeah, big ones. Over yes. half a billion dollars that you already technically already were taxed on. Yeah. So they can't even argue that, oh, no, you you need to be taxed on this. And they can't even capital gains tax on it because it's not U.S. dollars. Right. It's it's Bitcoin. It's crypto. So you. Yeah. It's you only could. potential, really. It's only potential yeah. currency, like according to them and their definitions and shit. Yeah, my God. I mean, yeah. you. <laughs> the amount of money if you had just not bought that fucking pizza. The amount yeah. of money that you could have you could have had now. Uh. Yeah. I got to go, though, guys. I can't sit here any longer. I got to go. All right, sister. Yep. Love you guys. See you later. Love you. See you. Come on. That's what she said. <laughs> so, all right. So, just you and I. Christopher might be joining us. I don't know. Yeah, he finally got home after having his truck pulled out of the snow. So we'll we'll see what happens. Yes. So 
let's just uh let's move on then let's uh let's jump into this one let's jump into this this is this is <laughs> oh oh i'm sure this is gonna be good based on that reaction this is gonna be a fun one fifth circuit grants qualified immunity to cops who ignited a suicidal gasoline drenched man by tasing him oh this fucking oh my god i <laughs> you know and hold you know on, the funniest on, part about this the appeals court concluded that the officer's use of force was reasonable in the circumstances. Setting him on fire. <laughs> they, they were Setting a man on fire. Immolating a living human being was reasonable. I mean, you know, and the funny thing is, is there was actually an episode years ago. There's an episode of CSI where a cop is using... Um, a, a type of like mace that the department had decided to not use anymore because the, uh, the, the liquid dispersant in it mm-hmm. was flammable, was highly flammable. So they just, they'd moved away from it. He had used it anyway. And the entire plot of the episode is they test to see if the taser that had set this guy on fire could have set it off. They confirm it. It's actually got a cameo by Mythbusters. Fun fact. Um, <laughs> Jamie Heineman and Adam Savage are actually do a cameo in it. Um, but they, that is a plot where then they charge the cop with murder or like manslaughter because he used uh, something that he knew to be flammable when he knew tasers were going to be used to spray this guy. And therefore it was his fault. This is just a few years ago. And now because we live in fucking clown world, (laughs) absolute fucking clown world. Now Uh, this is. Oh no, they get qualified immunity for setting a man on fire and burning down the house. I well, the yeah. house is secondary to a human life. <laughs> so, um, Gabriel Eduardo Olivias, Olives, O L I V A S, Olives, um, I think Olives doused himself with gasoline, but it was the cops who set him on fire. They were there to help him. Oh, that was helpful. Last week, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit ruled that um, some cops whose name I can't pronounce and the other cops whose name I can't really pronounce from Arlington, Texas, police officers who fired tasers at Olivius, ignited him, and burning his house down are protected by qualified immunity, which is a court. It's uh, Jeremiah Squadarama and Ebony Jefferson. Is that who you're talking about? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Bludgy and bludgy. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, a court invented doctrine that shields government officials from federal rights, uh, federal civil rights claims, unless the alleged misconduct violated, quote, clearly established law. While Olivia's family argued that uh, the bludges used excessive force, a unanimous Fifth Circuit panel concluded that the actions were reasonable in the circumstances. I just. <sighs> How I, you know, and the thing is, is, you know, it just just jumping down here again, um, according to the family's account, which, again, the Fifth Circuit was supposed to accept as true in the context of this ruling. Elliot shouted to the other officers, if we tase him, he is going to light on fire. Yeah. I (laughs) just uh, so uh, uh, June 10th, 2017. Uh, Olivia's called at 911 to report his father was threatening to kill himself. 
According to the Fifth Circuit summary, Olivis' son said the father was threatening to, quote, burn the house down. The assertion contradicts the family's account, which the court was supposed to accept as true in determining whether the officers deserved qualified immunity. The family maintains that Olivis, quote, did not threaten to harm his wife, his son, or anyone else in the home. Uh, upon entering the house, uh, Bludgy smelled gasoline. Uh, Olivia's wife, Selena, uh, directed the cops to a bedroom where they found Olivia's, quote, leaning against a wall and holding a red gas can. Well, and remember that gasoline, the liquid, you can actually put a fucking cigarette out in liquid gasoline. Yes. It's the fumes that are incredibly flammable. And when they walked in the house, they could smell, meaning there are a bunch of fumes, <laughs> gasoline. Yes, they are. Uh, <laughs> I just... <sighs> so leaning against the wall, holding a red gas can, according to the family's account, which again, the Fifth Circuit was supposed to accept as true in the context of its ruling, Elliot shouted that the other officers, quote, if we tase him, he's going to light on fire. Elliot discharged pepper spray in Olivia's face, which temporarily blinded him. Yeah, so this is Caleb. They're talking about Officer Caleb Elliott, who is one of the guys who um, was there. He wasn't charged. No. Uh, with anything. So uh, because he was like, hey, guys, don't tase the man. He's coated <laughs> in gasoline and electricity <laughs> will start a fire. This oh. is a bad idea. We're going to mace him, though. We're going to mace him. We're yeah, we'll him. still we're gonna... mace him. Which, I mean... again, which again is, is flammable. Yeah, the mate well can be. It depends on the, yes. the formula of the mace. But even if it even if it was, his intention by macing him was I don't want to set this man on fire. I don't want this man to die. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, so he didn't get charged because yeah, he was um, a re fairly reasonable person here. So Elliot <laughs> discharged pepper spray in all of his face with temporary blinded him. Around the same time, <laughs> all of his poured gasoline over himself. According to the Fifth Circuit, it is not clear whether this happened before or after all of this sudden with the pepper spray. The court says the cops and Elliot, quote, noticed that Olivius was holding some object uh, that appeared as though it might be a lighter. Guadaharam, Guatemara, whatever his name is, fired a taser at the gasoline-soaked man, causing him to burst into flames. Dude, you're Jefferson. from Southern California. How are you having so many problems with I'm Spanish last name? I'm from Central California. I'm from whatever. You're, you're from Bay Cali, Area. though. You're, how are you Bay having Area. so much problem with, with his Spanish class? I don't know. You're from Wisconsin. Don't you speak German? I, right. A little. Not Jefferson, well. <laughs> Jefferson also fired his taser, although he initially denied, denied that he had done so. Yeah, Quote, I love that he fucking lied. <laughs> he fucking lied about it because he knew he knew that what he did was wrong. And now the court's just going, well, I mean, what you did was wrong, but who cares? Yeah. I mean, I. Because that's literally by saying by saying that the, the court saying that they get qualified immunity, they're literally saying, well, what you did might have been completely wrong, but nobody <laughs> yes, cares. Yes, um, it doesn't matter. Quote, the fire spread from all of us to the walls of the bedroom and the house eventually burned to the ground. The Fifth Circuit notes uh, all of us was taken to the hospital where he eventually died from his injuries. The officers thus precipitated the very outcome they were ostensibly trying to prevent. Yeah, and that's exactly the thing that, that drives me nuts here, is the fact that they showed up because this guy is threatening to burn the house to the ground and possibly Alleg set himself Allegedly. Allegedly threatened to burn it to the ground. Right. Alle I mean, and we'll never know now, but the... 
the family is saying like they called the police because they're like, oh, my God, he's he's spreading gasoline around. He's threatening to burn the house down. And so they show up. And their response is to set the man on fire and burn the house to the ground. <laughs> uh, man, what would we ever do without police? I yeah. mean, without police, the house might have burned to the ground. Yeah, I, Alvarez, Alvarez is the wife. Alvarez sued the officers under uh, 42 U.S.C. 1983, which allows people to seek damages when government officials violate their constitutional rights. She argued that using tasers in these circumstances was clearly reckless and that the officers should instead have used other techniques to control the situation. Gosh, was it reckless? Hmm. <laughs> Quote, it is undisputed that a taser can cause death in more situations than uh, would use of soft hand techniques or impact weapons applied to certain portions of a person's body. Uh, the complaint said, uh, since Elliot said he was standing about six feet from all of us, it adds he, quote, could have easily subdued the blind man by rushing and grabbing him, and the other officers in the room would have done the same. Yeah, they all could have. I mean, that's the thing, is he's blinded by the mace. He can't see. He's right? six. He's, the, the cop is six feet away. Two steps. Two steps. Less than two, really. I mean, depending on his height. Two steps from him. There is no goddamn reason that these cops could not have subdued him physically using their hands. But because the cops are cowards, they didn't move in. Because that's the bottom line. That's why you don't do that in this situation is because you're a fucking coward. Yeah. But... <laughs> just six, six feet away six feet away i mean that's <laughs> and the thing is if they hadn't shown up right if they hadn't shown up his family might have talked him down if they hadn't shown up even if his family didn't talk him down he burns the house to the ground which happened anyway but he <laughs> is still alive i just but instead <laughs> The cops show up and he dies and the house still burns to the ground. And the cops have only made things worse because they added a death to the property damage. And in response, the court goes, well, but I mean, they're cops, so. Yeah. No punishment. <laughs> so, uh, the severity of the threatened crime, i.e. felony arson, What's considerable, the appeals court says. Quote, all of us posed a substantial and immediate risk of death or serious bodily injury to himself and everyone else in the house. The cops posed a substantial <laughs> risk of death to himself and everyone else in the house. They set a man on fire as well as the house. <laughs> yes. Uh, he was covered in gasoline. He had been threatening to kill himself and burn down the house. He appeared to be holding a lighter. At that point, there were six other people in the house all of whom were in danger. Also, why did the cops <sighs> not move people the fuck out of the house? Yeah. I mean, there's six, what was it? The three cops, the two, the two that were charged and the, and the one other cop, there's the guy that was covered in gasoline and the two other people. Like the one cop moves two people out. Okay. Dude. All right. No. Right. Half so the people, just, half the yeah, people are I in mean, the situation. And there are so many, there are so many things 
that you could have done in this situation rather than burn a man alive. Because, I mean, like, like, let's not, you know, and, and let's not confuse this. Like, this is a crime that was happening with actual victims. Yes. Right. This is an actual crime that is occurring that these police are responding to. But their response is to make the crime actually happen. I. <laughs> yep. And I know, I, mean, I know somebody, somebody's going, oh, they couldn't have known, blah, 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 blah. Well, <laughs> one the of the. From the article, it says the company that makes the tasers warns that their use, quote, can result in fire or explosion when flammable gases, fumes, vapors, liquids, or materials are present. Because it's an electrical fucking current. <laughs> it also says, quote, use of a taser in the presence of fire or explosion has hazards could result in death or serious injury. Warning labels. That so is there the warning label on the taser. Fucking, there are fucking warning labels. That are telling you that this could happen. It's <laughs> it, and it, you don't have to have a high IQ. And I know the cops, you know, they sued so that they could be sure that they hire low IQ individuals. But you don't have to have a high IQ to go, hey, an open spark plus gasoline is bad. Yeah. Um, Alvarez's complaint notes that the officers underwent training in which they were, quote, reminded, reminded of what they already knew regarding the use of a taser's electronic control weapon in a situation where flammable substances and or vapors are present. In those, those circumstances, they were told, quote, a taser should not be used. So they were <sighs> trained not to do this. So like, yes. let, let's cover and let's recap here. So it's super obvious to even the dumbest individual that a an open electrical spark in the presence of flammable gasoline fumes and liquid gasoline is going to be a bad thing and is going to cause a fire. A cop said, hey, don't tase him. You're going to cause a fire. Mm -hmm. They had been trained. Recently, hey, in this situation, don't use your taser. You're going to cause a fire. The warning labels on the taser say, hey, in this situation, don't use your taser because you'll <laughs> cause a fire. They used their taser. It caused a fire. fire and a death. And the, yeah. And the court's response is, well, but they were acting in good faith. <laughs> good faith. Because <laughs> for qualified immunity to be applied, they have to be acting in good faith. So the court is saying, well, I mean, they're acting in good faith. Yeah, and here, After here's okay. all of that. All right. All right. And the, the Fifth Circuit, uh, this is again a quote from the Fifth Circuit. It says, uh, quote, accepting the pleaded facts as true and constructing them in the light most favorable to the plaintiffs, neither's officer's conduct was unreasonable, nor was the force they employed clearly excessive. So essentially, what the court is saying is, no, hold on. Uh, quote, given the horrendous scene that the officers were facing, involving the immediate potential for the destruction of lives and property, the force used firing the tasers, quote, was not reasonable or was not unreasonable or excessive. And consequently, we hold that the officers did not violate the Fourth Amendment and are thus entitled to qualified immunity. 
What? I, okay. Okay. So what they're doing, what they're doing is they're trying to say, well, all they did was fire the taser. So does that mean that if I am in a room full of gunpowder <laughs> and all I do is light a match, I am not responsible for the ensuing explosion? Well, I mean, qualified immunity is so stu- It's like, like we had a case here in, in California, in Central California. I think it was like, I think it was a little south of I mean, Modesto or something like that, where the cops stole like a quarter million dollars worth of, of, of cash and um, like rare coins. They got a qualified immunity because they didn't know what they were doing was wrong, according to the yeah, court. They, yeah, they didn't know that stealing was wrong. Yeah. So, I mean, I just like that's but that's the thing. It's like so if I'm surrounded by gunpowder and light a match, I'm not responsible for the explosion. If well, if I run a school bus in you know <laughs> off a bridge and kill a bunch of children while drunk, well, I mean all I did was drive drunk. Well, no, that's not true cuz you don't have the magical piece of tent. Okay, let's say I'm a cop who's driving a school bus. Wasn't there a cop that just launched his patrol car into a house? Yeah. You see that? Into the the living room? Yeah, there's been a few of those uh, over the years. They're they're freaking hysterical. There is... uh, My my favorite is still the the cop car that's, like, in a tree. I still don't know how the (laughs) hell it happened, but it's, like, sideways. I I want to see how it happened. Yeah, like, I want to have watched that, because how did that occur? Because it's not even, like, like it's pointing perpendicular, like, to the highway that it had to have been traveling down, and it's a ways from the highway. So, like, I don't understand how the car wound up where it did, that it's in this tree. Like, I'm like, okay, so are they chasing Merlin? Like, what, <laughs> what the hell happened there? But... I mean, just uh, what this court ruling is, is, is saying, even though you knew that what you were going to do was going to set off a chain of events that was going to result in a death and property destruction because you had your magic uniform on. Even if, even if you didn't know, even if, even if there was the chance that this could happen. As as it says in the warning on the tasers, mm-hmm. this can happen. As a as an officer of the law, you should be held to a higher standard. You should be, but in fact, are held to a much, much, much lower standard than average people. And this is this is reinforced over and over again. Remember that in uh, just yeah. Remember that you, uh, if you are a cop. Ignorance of the law is an excuse. Mm -hmm. If you are not a cop, ignorance of the law is no excuse. If you are a cop, um, reckless conduct is covered under qualified immunity. If you are not a cop, reckless conduct is not qualified. Uh, You know, you, you are held responsible for your reckless conduct. If you are a cop and you do something stupid that gets somebody hurt, you have the department and the taxpayers to pay the settlement. If you are not a cop, you have to pay that settlement. If you are a cop, you, um, 
don't have to, in fact, are expected to be dumb. If you are not a cop, well, yeah, remember, you uh, are expected was it, to be as intelligent as possible. Connecticut in 2016-2017, high IQ applicant applied and was denied and sued. And the police department actually sued for the right to not hire high IQ applicants or applications. Yep, and they they won. And they won, yes, Susan won. Um, If you are a cop, you know, the the big one is um, if you are a cop and you are ignorant of the law and you do something reckless and people die and... Um, you know, somebody sues you and there was one, I had one more and now I lost track of it. Damn it. I had one more that I was going to point out about how cops are different, like in this special, special class of people. But if you're a cop, you are in this entirely unique class where, oh, I remember now if you are a cop and you do all this stuff because you were in a, a, an armed standoff with somebody who was unarmed and they reacted badly. You as the average citizen are expected to behave incredibly calmly, follow everything exact, all of your orders that you're being given exactly make no sudden moves and everything. But if you're a cop, you are allowed to panic and freak out. Like the cop that killed uh, Philando Castillo. Exactly. You're allowed to do or the cop that killed uh, Daniel Shaver. So you can be a cop who is dumb Right. Was hired because you're dumb. You're not going to be held responsible financially for anything that you do. You can act in direct violation of the law simply because you didn't know. You can shoot somebody because they were not following your commands. And it's understandable that you panicked, even though they're an average person. But if you're the average person, you are expected to not act recklessly, you are expected to be absolutely calm in an encounter with a police officer pointing a loaded fucking weapon at you. The average person, you are expected to be intelligent. You are expected to be liable for anything that happens in your day-to-day conduction of your business. Tell me that pigs aren't a unique class of privileged individuals within yeah, they're the, society. They're the protector caste. They are this entirely unique thing that is immune, completely immune from prosecution. They are completely oh. immune right. from any liability. I All just... Right. I, it okay. boggles right. my now, mind. Now, now that I got you worked up... Fucking now that, you worked up. now that I got you worked up, let's, uh, let's see if I can make you explode. Oh, joy. Oh. Portland police officers guarding Fred Meyer dumpster as residents seek discarded food. You did? See, did you see the pictures in the video? Yep. This article has infuriated <laughs> me on a level For that the, is yeah. a little difficult to communicate. For the last few days. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this is an updated article from February 17th. At the, uh, this is the, the Oregonian, Oregon Live. Okay, uh, roughly a dozen Portland police officers faced off with a small group uh, in a northeast Portland Fred Meyer on Tuesday after people tried to take food that had been thrown away. 
Workers at the Hollywood West Fred Meyer threw away thousands of perishable items because the store, like many others, had lost power in an outage brought on by the region's winter storms. Uh, images on social media showed mountains of packaged meat, cheese, and juice, as well as whole turkeys, packs of ribs that had been tossed into two large dumpsters near the store. A few people gathered around 2.30 p.m. at the store uh, in hopes of salvaging the food. But within a few hours, people seeking food from the dumpsters began to report police officers showing up to guard the dumpsters and prevent people from taking the items. Uh, Morgan Mikanoff, a prominent activist and outspoken Portland police critic who lives in the neighborhood, said employees were guarding the dumpsters when they showed up to get some of the discarded food. Uh, Mikanoff began to film the employees and report staff members threatened to call the police on them for doing so. The store manager called police shortly thereafter, McAniff said, uh, and McAniff began live-streaming the interaction on Instagram. Quote, after that, other people started showing up and asking them, why are you guys guarding a dumpster? McAniff said about 15 people eventually gathered in an attempt to collect food. Um, at one point, McAniff said a dozen officers arrived on the scene. One officer wasn't wearing a mask and refused to put one on until a supervisor arrived and brought him one. I hold on. Uh, on Wednesday, Portland police said officers were sent to the scene after employees said, "quote They felt the situation was escalating and feared there may be a physical confrontation." With what? With who? They're raiding a dumpster. <laughs> what? Just... what? They're gonna attack you for your dumpster food? I yeah. mean, um, also on Wednesday, Fred Meyer spokesman responded to what had become a deluge of criticism. Noting the company donates more than 5 million pounds of food annually. So that makes up for this? Yeah. <laughs> uh, quote, unfortunately, due to the loss of power at the store, some perishable food was no longer safe for donation to local hunger relief agencies. Our store became concerned that area residents would consume the food and risk foodborne illnesses. Oh, and oh. That, and they engaged local law enforcement out of the abundance of caution. We apologized for the confusion. Oh, Yeah. I'm oh, sure you, so okay so hang on hang on what what date was that what day was that, that that was on the 17th the 17th and it was in what town um it was in portland uh hollywood uh the hollywood west fred Myers. so it's hollywood avenue portland okay, so other portland oregon 16, 16th to articles, 16 yeah the articles from the 16th so uh, it, was, it was cold enough to knock out power we are talking about extremely cold temperatures. No. So 16th, it looks like they had a high that was still under under 40 degrees. Under 40 degrees, which is colder than most people's refrigerators. So this food is now sitting in... Ref sub refrigerated temperatures. Um, let's see. Um, let's see. Simon's noted that the food was still in good condition given the cold weather. One person picked up a carton of juice that had an expiration date in March. So the food is has not expired. And realistically, what kind of juice are you even worried about? Yeah. I you could leave orange juice sitting out overnight, and it's still probably going to be fine. It's fucking orange juice. All right, it's going to be okay. It's pasteurized. It's taken care of, <laughs> especially if it's at 40 degrees. Like, so, we're, we're talking police guarding dumpsters. 
They're guarding dumpsters. Tra- they're guarding trash. They're guarding yeah. trash in dumpsters. And the best part is, is the Supreme Court has ruled in the United States that if that dumpster had been moved out to the curb, that's fair game. Uh, don't forget, don't forget that the, that the Supreme Court has also ruled several times that the police have no obligation to protect you. Yeah. Right. So they so wouldn't even, protect even, even these if this, people. This food could be poisoned, and the police don't have an obligation to protect it. No. Oh. Yeah, they don't have an obligation to protect anybody from poisoned food. They only they they are choosing yes. to protect people who are working for this company because those people decided they didn't like the idea that what they had thrown out was just being grabbed, that they're yeah. not making any money off of it. Because at the end of the day, no matter how much they say, hey, it might make you sick. Yeah, um, let's see. Uh, Juniper Semen- Juniper Semenis, a well-known activist and researcher who arrived to document the police presence, said officers showed up and threatened those on hand with arrest, at which point the, the crowd moved across the street. Uh, Semenis, an environmental biologist and data scientist, said they took out their press badge and went closer to take photos of the officers who were standing in front of the bins full of food. Quote, I'm just interacting with officers and trying to get their information. And then they said, quote, we're going to arrest you if you don't leave. And they threatened me with a trespassing charge. So. So that's. <laughs> yeah, OK, so, uh, uh, quote, I was documenting the police, not what was in the dumpster. They said, uh, quote, I wasn't going over there. I mean, he was just going to the police, not the dumpsters. And the police got the store manager to threaten me with trespassing. This is see, and that I mean Fred Meyer. Fred Meyer really only exists in the north, the the Pacific Northwest. They don't they don't really exist. At least the grocery stores. They have jewelry stores. They have jewelry stores around here and and across the U.S. That company deserves to die for this. I don't know about that, but it well that that specific location it deserves to close. Are you yeah. fucking kidding me? You called police. Because people were getting free food that you couldn't legally even sell anymore. I mean, let's let's be real. The 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 coolers, the coolers run at a warmer temperature than what was on, what was going on outside at that point in time. They literally could have. They could have before the coolers got too warm. They could have taken all that food. They could have rented a storage container, like a steel storage container. Mm-hmm. Had it in the parking lot, taken all the food and put it out there in the storage container, closed the doors, and been able to bring it back inside, put it back in the store, and sell it once the power came back on because it would have been kept cold enough to still be okay. Yeah, it's like like our um, uh, our, our our friend Luis, uh, emancipated human, right down there in Texas. Right, they lost power in Texas. Texas is fucking cold. They lost power in Texas. He had to keep he had he had to get his ice chest and fill it with food to, and keep it outside. But he had to keep the food in the ice chest to keep it from freezing yep. because it was it was colder. It was it was it was too cold outside. It was it was, you know, freezing his food. So he had to keep it in an ice chest to mm-hmm. keep the food from freezing. Oh, yeah, I keep I just keep my beer uh, mm-hmm. over the winter here in Wisconsin. I just keep my beer on the porch. Because it's not insulated, it's plenty cold. 
Uh-huh. So I'm not worried about it. It's just fine. And in <laughs> fact, the past couple of weeks, it's been so cold. Uh, my my uh, giant chest freezer that's on my porch, I started to worry about because the compressor was making horrible noises because it was <laughs> so cold. The compressor <laughs> of my freezer was going to break. It's one of those uh, things. It's one of those things like you might you have you got to unplug it and just crack the top because yeah. it's, it's colder outside than it is in the freezer. Yeah, it's it, and it was uh, it was actually about 40 degrees colder outside of the freezer than it was inside the freezer. Um, but you're talking about I mean, and again, this is where we get back into like the idiotic state mandates too about like food that can and oh yeah yeah i mean (laughs) you're gonna you're gonna (laughs) you're gonna have you know expiration dates on canned corn really (laughs) yeah i mean it keeps forever (laughs) it literally can't go bad like 20 25 years shelf life easily 25 years shelf life i mean come on it's i mean they got they got a three-year expiration date on it and they have to throw it out after that Oh, yeah. I mean, there's I mean, for the love of God, there's that that chunk of of meat that's hanging in the Shackleton expedition shack mm-hmm. north of the Arctic Circle. That's that's been frozen since Shackleton's expedition that is still edible. It would be freezer burned. It would taste <laughs> very good, but it is edible, safely edible still. I, well, most most good steak is aged, right? I mean, it has to yeah. be it has to be exposed to the air in order to age most cheeses. They, they have, they they have the bacteria. They have to develop a mold on it. You know, blue cheese, blue cheese, those little blue lines and cheese. That's fucking mold, you guys. Yeah, it's mold. It's delicious mold, but it's mold. Uh, <laughs> Penicillin. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing is like, it's ridiculous. The these arbitrary expiration dates and everything else, and and. The reality is, one, they were forced to throw this stuff out because by, of these stupid by, rules. By government. By government. Yeah, by government. These stupid rules made them throw this stuff out. And again, even though they could have put it all, you know, just in the parking lot and just had it sit there and let it get really cold and until the power came back on. Like or, the idea. Even, me, even the idea of just throw it in the dumpster, let people have it. Yeah, they could have thrown let, it. Let Darwin yeah. take over. Yeah, they could have. I mean, and they even could have. They could have just gone, you know, if they truly believed that this stuff wasn't good anymore. And sadly, too many people in American society think that once food hits its expiration date, it's not good anymore. Um, <laughs> no, those are the ideally best buy dates. <laughs> <laughs> it is It is still good until it makes you sick when yeah, you this eat is, it. Yeah, this is uh, on... This is on par, in my opinion, with the Kansas City safety inspector or a few years ago at the uh, the charity barbecue that they, they didn't have the a permit. D- dumping the bleach. He, yeah. he, they, he threw the meat in the trash can and then dumped bleach all over the meat so they wouldn't use the meat because they, they didn't have a permit for a charity barbecue. Yeah, and, and technically under the law, that was actually illegal for him to do, but... They don't care about the law. Yeah, they nothing ever happened because they don't care about the law. They don't care about reality and they don't care. The big thing is the reason why the cops are willing to stand guard here isn't because people are getting violent with each other, because I can pretty much guarantee you that they, they weren't. They were not. 
there were people probably standing there going, okay, so I have orange juice. Who would like orange juice and handing it out? Okay. I got this. Who would like that? And handing that. And that's because that's how those things wind up working. Guaranteed every fucking time. That's what happens. But they, the reason they're standing guard, the cops are standing guard is because if you do that and you just get all this stuff, you aren't going to need to come crying to daddy government for a while because you just got a bunch of food. Free ribs are the best ribs. I mean, right, it, tries, it, it boggles my mind, to be honest with you. It boggles my mind. Because growing up in, you know, off and on in Wisconsin and stuff and living in Wisconsin for as long as I have, it blows my mind that people complain about food going bad when they lose power. Because <laughs> not only because of cold, specifically. Like, oh, I lost power because of this cold and my food went bad. And I'm like, what? But you, <laughs> you could have just put it in a bag and taken it out your door and set it down, man. Like, what? Well, I, I don't understand. How did yeah. that happen? All right, <laughs> let's let's move on to another one. This one, <sighs> I wish we had the full crew for this. I really do. This is an op-ed put out by the Chicago Sun Times editorial board. So nobody, nobody was willing to attach their name to this. This is just put out by the. It says it's just written by the editorial board. Oh, oh Chicago. <sighs> okay, 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 <sighs> okay. The title of this article or this op-ed says: uh, "More than ever, assault weapons are an undeniable threat to representative government." <laughs> I mean, technically correct, but not in the way that they're trying to say. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and then the, the, the subtitle says, for too long, threats of physical harm have been used to intimidate lawmakers trying to do something about America's nightmare of gun violence. Oh, the yeah. Jan- I mean- the January 6th insurrection will only embolden those who make such threats. I mean, did you hear about those guys in 1776? Like, they got a bunch of cannons. And the, man, <laughs> it's too long that guns have been used. <laughs> oh, All right. Okay. Okay. Oh, hold on. This, this first, this very first sentence, this very first line, I uh, I saw this. I, I, I got sent this link, and, and I read the headline and the little sub-headline, and Cracked up. I clicked the link. This first, this first sentence, I dropped my phone and laughed for ten minutes. Like my my stomach hurt from laughing. Okay, all right. This first first sentence. Okay, ready? Okay. The political give and take at the heart of a democracy can't function under the threat of armed violence. <laughs> That's why this. Oh no! So they really are just openly anti Second Amendment now. Hold on, hold on. The January sixth attack on the U.S. Capitol has warned our nation, like nothing that's come before, <laughs> that lawmakers at all levels are vulnerable to such threats. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious for multiple. Oh. The United States needs to act before elected officials become paralyzed by the threat of a small minority of pro-gun absolutionists. 
for too long, threats of violence have been used to intimidate lawmakers who are trying to address the gun violence. Mm-hmm. Huh. <laughs> oh, oh. Mm. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm really trying, you guys. Okay. Wow. <sighs> gun right advocates have long argued that, quote, good guys with guns are an important defense against, quote, bad guys. But we have now seen how many people who are up to the moment might have been classified as good guys were willing to attack police officers, smash their way into Congress, and call for death of a vice president and a speaker of the House. Okay. Yep. Two, two big steps needed are the elimination of open carrying of weapons in the United States and the elimination or rigorous regulation of civilian ownership of military-style firearms. Military-style. You know, (laughs) real quick to interject, the thing (laughs) that makes me laugh so hard about the military style. Let (sighs) me explain a couple, just really quick, let me run down a couple things. First of all, the reason why these big, scary black rifles that people are on the left who are a bunch of, you know, namby-pambies are so scared of that, that the reason those are black is because that black anodization of aluminum and steel is really fucking cheap. Yes. That's why they're black. Because it's really, really, really cheap. It's not to make it scary. <laughs> it's because it's really cheap. And it's that that's why the M16, right? The M16A1, M16A2, the, the AR-10, that's why they're black. Is because it's really cheap. Yes. And um, the ARs, you know, are, are spawned off of that. Also, can I just point out when people go, oh, it's a military, you know, oh, we don't need these military arms on our streets, to which my response is, well, fuck yeah, we don't. We need higher quality <laughs> stuff from the civilian market, and we do have higher quality hey, stuff. Are you kidding me? Have you there's... seen what gets passed off is acceptable hey, in the military? Colt, Colt went bank up for, bankrupt for a reason. They could oh, yeah. sustain it in the civilian market. I mean, are you kidding me? Like the, the, the <laughs> stuff that's like, oh, this is probably like here. Let me put in perspective, right, right, quick. So let, let's say, right, quick ones. Let me let me be a very Wisconsin-y person and let me show you quick ones. Um, would you rather buy an M ninety two? God, I know what an M ninety two is. <laughs> That has been surplused out of the U.S. military with that has been beat to shit. The barrel is shot out. It's been cleaned <sighs> once every 10,000 rounds. It's a pile of garbage. Or would you rather buy a Glock? Yeah, a civilian made Glock 19. <laughs> That's yeah, quite nice. High quality. <laughs> well built. Solid QC. Like, which would you rather have? Yeah. Mm. All right. Okay. Uh, back to the article. Uh, on January 6th, America saw an act of anarchy aimed at stopping lawmakers from doing their jobs. Oh. Act no. of anarchy. <laughs> no one can feel confident that our nation won't see more such attempts from Washington to state capitals to city halls. Current laws are lax. <laughs> Current laws are so lax, they essentially give military weapons to terrorists. <laughs> oh, oh. They, they, the government actually does give military yeah, weapons they, to terrorists. They, they literally do that and have for 50 years. 
<sighs> on Sunday, the third anniversary of the Parkland shooting, in which 14 students and three staff members were killed and 17 others were wounded, President Joe Biden called on Congress to ban assault weapons. He also called for background checks for all gun sales, the banning of high-capacity magazines, and an end to immunity for gun manufacturers whose products are used to wreck violence. Uh, this is the uh, same guy, right? This is Joe Biden. This is the same guy who just denied uh, the Wigier um, uh, Yeah, he, he also said that um, some minorities don't know how to use computers. Um, and he also said, if you don't vote for him, you're not black. He's also uh, the guy who said that, uh, that uh, poor kids don't have the same opportunities as white kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking joke. Well, um, and I mean, remember, remember, you know, and to that point, remember that traditionally in the United States, gun laws are incredibly racist. Like that is the genesis. Yeah, the of the, gun the, laws. Um, I mean, there's been there's been a lot of gun laws that were pat that were passed in the past. Um, you know, the the, the GCA and. And the 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 firearm the the fully automatic ban and and all this other stuff right but like like 1986 in California that was the the Reagan ban right? Reagan Reagan banned open carrying because black people were were using arms to protect their neighborhoods from abusive police officers. Well, that's the Mulford Act, yes, and that's but that's recent. We're talking the genesis, the very beginning. If we oh, rewind all the way back, back to begin, to, before to keep, to keep free before, from being armed, well, even before that, before the United States mm -hmm. was a country, the colonies had laws that said that it was illegal for black people and natives to have weapons. In fact, in colonial America, if you sold a gun to a native. That was punishable by death for selling a gun to a native. Yes. So this this is the thing. And then, you know, and in the antebellum South, you have laws that say that uh, slave, neither slave nor freed black man is permitted to carry arms. Um, you have those laws. You have, uh, and then what you see uh, after, you know, after the, the is that the 16th Amendment? What, whatever the Emancipation Proclamation, I think it's 16th Amendment. I could be wrong, but, you know, um, after that happens, well, now the South can't uh, openly say, well, I don't want black people to have guns, right? Mm -hmm. it's, they, they can't just be like, well, no free black men can have a gun. So instead what they do is they say, well, if you're going to have a weapon, you can, you know, you can't have any of the, the, what, what's called the Saturday night specials, right? You can't have any of the, the cheat. You can't, you're not allowed to carry guns of a certain size, you know, that are small enough and everything else. And they, they, they try and do that because they know that the Saturday night specials are the small guns. And so they basically mean that you can only carry what was available at the time would have been uh, like the Colt armies and Colt navies, which are very large, and they're very, very expensive, most importantly, which means that the blacks can't afford them. Well, yeah, and then what's important is it means that black people can't afford them, right? And so they, they guarantee it that way. When the NFA gets passed in 1934, the NFA, I mean, its genesis goes back to 29. When that happens, it's largely is that the, the NFA is to keep guns out of the hands, again, 
of black people and keep guns out of the hands of natives and keep guns out of the hands of uh, Mexicans in the Southwest, right? Mexican immigrants and things. It's and, and, and Tejanos and, and stuff from that area. That's why the NFA exists. The GCA gets passed in 68 as a direct result and response to, uh, again, to the civil rights movement and to blacks beginning to use their weapons to openly protest and push back. And so it gets passed and you wind up with this. So you wind up with this thing with, with like the NFA and stuff that says, well, you have to pay this $200 tax stamp, which if you adjust for inflation, you're talking a couple of grand now, <laughs> if it had been changed, right? Like it's still $200. And now, well, I'm buying, you know, if I'm buying a thousand dollar suppressor, 200 bucks, eh, it's not a big deal. But back then, if I was buying a shotgun with too short a barrel, which was very common at the time, I'm spending $24 on the shotgun and $200 what on the tax stamp. 1934, right? 34 was the NFA. Let's see. Whoa, 1934. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I put one too many zeros. Okay, that makes a little more sense. Um, 1934, a $200 tax stamp in 2021 <laughs> is the equivalent of $3,904. So imagine right now, if that had been adjusted for inflation, if you wanted to go buy a, a short barreled rifle or a short shotgun or a suppressor. Cumulative rate of inflation of 1,852.1%. So imagine, yeah. So imagine like, I want to go buy a suppressor. And I have to pay an extra three thousand dollars. Four thousand. Four thousand. Yeah, which almost is four thousand dollars. Which is like multiple times more than the suppressor itself. So this and and really its origin, I mean, and I could do an entire episode of two hours uh, talking about gun laws, but really in its origin ultimately is it's it's about class, right? And it's it dates back to the wearing of swords and who was and wasn't allowed to wear swords and things clear back you know, in, in Britain and, and in Imperial Europe and stuff, and that only the nobles could arm themselves. And this was intentionally to keep the peasants from being able to rebel. And it was about, you know, it was about class and it's the same kind of thing. Only now, you know, once it is race for a while and like the earliest known, uh, anti-weapon law in North America that we have from the colonies is, uh, a law that says that natives can't carry any weapons. So it talks about like knives, uh, axes, swords, guns, whatever. They can't carry bows. They can't carry any of that. Right. And it specifically says natives. It like, it, well, it says, you know, Indians, but yeah. it specifically is talking about them. And you then have, you know, specifically talking about the blacks. And then once that isn't a thing that they can say anymore, now it's because of the class that most of the people of this race are, and it's about keeping weapons out of their hands. And so you start having all of these laws that get passed that throw a $200 tax stamp on, on machine guns and on short barreled rifles and on short barreled shotguns and on uh, suppressors. And the suppressors one has always seemed a little weird, but I think it's a result of their concern about communist assassinations probably, but mm -hmm. um. Which never happened in the U.S. But anyway, and I don't think any of them ever actually used a suppressor. But 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 that was that was their concern. Um, 
So like that is, you know, it's still, it's about trying to keep weapons out of the hands of the people that they want to keep down. And now you have, after all of this, you know, where it's, it's about trying to keep the cost of usable good weaponry and carrying weapons and things. And it's like the, the excessive fees to do with CCWs and like in California where you have to give them justification for why. <laughs> and they still you, won't issue it. Yeah. And have them, they still won't issue. This is to, to make sure that only the class of people that they want to have weapons have weapons. And that the, the people that they don't want to have weapons who are the lower economic classes who tend to be people of color who, who, I mean, even if they're not, they're people who don't like government. They're people who don't like to, um, you know, they, they, they don't like this, the, the status quo and things they're trying to keep the weapons out of their hands with all of these laws and all these burdens and all this monetary stuff. What Biden is talking about here, remember, Biden is an old school anti-integration uh, pro-Jim Crow law Democrat. This guy does not like black people. He doesn't like minorities. He wants whites to dominate because that's what the Democrats have always wanted. I mean, always that that's never gone away. There's this myth of the party flip and it's never actually occurred. I mean, don't forget that who got us into Vietnam and started sending all these black people to Vietnam, right? That was the Democrats, right? That's that, that was a Democrat thing who opposed uh, the repeal of Jim Crow laws. That wasn't the Republicans. That was the Democrats. And this is, <laughs> and when we start hitting that point, we're talking about Joe Biden being in this politics. And actually being in the Senate and being, you know, being in Congress and being part of this to prevent the repeal of Jim Crow and, and prevent these, you know, progressive reforms that are actually going to, uh, you know, keep people from being discriminated against. Um, he's already anti-minority. That's all this really at its core is, is still an anti-minority. It's still trying to keep people who aren't part of the class that he wants to be armed he's trying to keep them from being armed this is just a continuation of exactly the same theme since time immemorial i want only the people who will support me to be armed not the people who will ever be against me and it's a yeah. convenient excuse and that's all it is so that other people the dumb idiot masses will just bow down and go yeah that seems like a good idea this this podcast is so much easier when i don't have to say anything and i can just sit here and listen to andrew rant <laughs> <laughs> i'm just putting that out there because andrew's way smarter than me but <laughs> got anything else you want to add to that i mean well it's good <laughs> it's, we're getting close to time so yeah we're getting close to time but i mean that's that's my whole thing is just all of this gun control stuff that we're starting to see again. You and, gotta remember. and the new and the new uh, uh, domestic terrorism thing. Yeah, and the domestic terrorism thing. All of this goes hand in hand. This is about a power move from <coughs> the political left to try and keep the people who don't support them specifically or might realize that they're not actually in their corner 
right? Because that's the thing right now is that a lot of the economically disadvantaged people think the left is in their corner. Yeah. They're under this impression. <laughs> There's going to come a time where they realize they're not. And when that happens, that is the time when those people, if they're armed, are going to use those arms. And the left is trying to make sure that there is no way that can occur. Yeah. They're setting that up. They're doing it. And I mean, I don't even know if they're trying intent. Like if this is like, I don't know that there's an overarching conspiracy going on, that this is all this big, like 15 to 25 year plan they got going on with a set of strategies. And we're going to do this by this point. <laughs> this point. Like, I'm not saying that, but like, we, we know but, the end game. We know the end game, but yeah. I mean, but the point is, is that, yeah, they have an end game. They have an ideal. And so they're acting accordingly to try and get to that point. And they're doing things that they know they need to do to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And the biggest one consistently for tyrants to do every single time is you disarm the people who will otherwise feel disenfranchised. And as we've learned from Stalin, we learned from Hitler, we learned from all these people. Well, shit, we learned from speaking of the week here, genocide that Biden goes is just a different cultural norm. They, and then we hear genocide is like has so many parallels to the fucking Holocaust. It's horrific. Um, the, and by the way, Donald Trump actually kind of championed hauling the Uyghurs into the U.S. as political uh, asylum seekers, and they're all Muslims. Fun fact: that's a Muslim minority in uh, China. But. Uh, the you know that that whole theme with all of these guys with all these tyrants that then commit genocide or almost genocide or they you know start to destri- you know killing their their political opponents and consolidating power the first thing they all have to do is they have to disarm everybody so that they can't fight back they need to be the only ones with guns so that they are the ones with absolute control and this is what we're seeing again is they are pushing for this. And personally, I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but personally I am at the point with the whole gun debate now where I don't even care, man. I'm not even going to argue with you. Like fucking bring it. Yep. If you think send, you can take it, you try and come and take it. Send bachelors. No, yeah. All right, the, the just quick on the, on the, you get, you get, um, genocide 2014 to present. Uh, forced abortion, forced sterilization, forced birth control, rape, including gang rape, forced labor, torture, internment, and brainwashing. Yeah. They've had over one million people detained or or killed. In Xinjiang, um, it's in Xinjiang. We have uh, quite a few people have told us what's going on. They uh, there's one woman who's spoken out um, who lives. I think she lives actually in Minnesota. No, she lives in Michigan now. Um, who spoke out to the BBC in response to that uh, Chinese officials um, assassinated her father um, and threatened the rest of her siblings. She said I, that I, I, I feel bad for my family, but I can't stop speaking out. Like I have to do that. Um, the, 
there's, you know, I mean, these huge detention centers, there's video of them being, uh, you know, tied up and blindfolded and beaten and, you know, in the, in groups, uh, out on the blacktop, they grab them in the middle of the night. They, when the BBC came in initially because of concerns over it, they had this, Oh, look, it's this wonderful place where everybody's dancing and they're singing. And that doesn't at all sound like the Nazi propaganda film about the concentration camps that they put out, which we know is a load of horseshit. Um, you know, they call them, they call them vocational education centers. And claim that they're just doing it because these people have been brainwashed by religious extremists. And so we need to just uh, undo the brainwashing. And um, they also export most of the men to uh, forced um, forced work camps and mm-hmm. stuff um, and, and like forced uh, factory labor and, and what I mean, it, it's it's a fucking genocide in the same vein as the Holocaust, plain and simple. Um, they forcibly, you know, cut women's, uh, reproductive organs out, you know, force hysterectomies or a thing, um, experimentation, like the women talk about several of the women that I've seen speak, uh, have talked about, you know, getting injections like once a month and pills every day. And they were never told what they were. That sure sounds like the, uh, eugenics programs that the Nazis were doing. Yeah, I mean that's that's what this is. That's oh, the plain and simple. Right. And this is what Biden is is supporting and going, well, it's just oh, it's different culture. It's just moments. a different culture. Yeah. Yeah. So. He's setting up. I mean, like, I, I don't want to sound like a completely crazy conspiracy theorist and say he's setting up for that here, but he's setting up for the same kind of domination of the public here. And right. the first step is disarming us. All right. Before we get drowned and black bagged. <laughs> <laughs> throw out some links let's let's throw that all right so if you want a fantastic soft gentle wonderful beard like i have you are going to go to thebeardstruggle.com and order some of their fantastic stuff i love it it makes your beard incredibly soft their shampoo and conditioner uh combination for your beard especially i prefer Odin's virtue there are a bunch of different scents out there that are fantastic if you use code inked anarchist 15 all run together, you get 15% off of your order. So you can save money, you support me, and uh, you get some really cool stuff for your beard. Also check out Poppin's Patches. I'm rocking a patch from them, a new one right now this evening. And it is a tactical beard goggles patch. <laughs> which which is one of my favorites. Which is fantastic. Uh, and uh, I do have some patches from him, which... Uh, I am probably going to give away that I just got. We got uh, this one for sure. I'm going to give away. This is actually a super limited edition one. It is a uh, Trump from uh, Trump Trump among us. And it says election was kind of sus. Yep. And this is this is number 48 of 100 that are going to get made of these. Um, I have a card to confirm that. And this I will probably be giving that away relatively soon. Um, I also have just a hashtag Poppins patches general grievous uh, one, my star Wars one. And of course, if you're a fan of uh, the Mandalorian, we got the um, Thrawn's laboratory with Dexter and Dee. Dee. 
And yep. I'm probably going to be giving all of those away. I don't know if I'm going to give the beer goggles one away because I kind of like this one. So I think I might hold on to this one. But those other three we're going to give away uh, in the coming weeks. So be sure and check that out. Check out Poppin's Patches. He's got a ton of awesome stuff. He's got the Boogaloo Shark. He's got the the um, Ed and Nettie Boogaloo ones. He's, I mean, tons of stuff. It's fantastic. Um, you check it out. Check out Road to Autonomy Magazine. Uh, Dharma has been working her ass off on that, and they actually just got uh, paid advertisement from Bitcoin Cash to advertise in the magazine. So go check that's like RTA magazine that will be linked in the description as well as the links to Poppins Patches, Andrew's link to The Beard Struggle, as well as Dirica's book. Think for yourself yes. a critical thinking workbook for beginners. And uh, on that note, yeah, this is episode 125, I guess. I don't know if we have a name for it yet, but... I, we don't. If anybody else would like to uh, sponsor me and give me free stuff <laughs> to give away and, and talk about and keep and whatever, man, I'm open to that. So uh, feel free to sponsor yeah. us. Yeah, all great. right. All right, and check out uh, the homie Nick Irwin at Beyond the Ballot. Uh, I did a little segment with him today, so that'll be out soon. On that note... I guess for the third time, fourth time, third time, <laughs> whichever one, whatever. All, All right. right. We'll catch you on the next one. Yeah. Peace.